Uh, Before we read, I'm just going to pray for us and pray uh, for Alan. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a good God who speaks. We thank you that you are a God who has spoken to your people throughout the ages, that you promised many wonderful things. Uh, We thank you, Lord, that you are a God who still speaks to us now, this very day, through your word. And so we pray, Father, open our ears, open our eyes, open our hearts. We pray, Lord, that you might plant your word deep within our souls. We pray, Father, that its roots would go deeply into our hearts and that it would grow up and bear much fruit. We pray, Father, for our brother Alan. We pray that he comes and shares your word with us, that he would help us to see its truth and its goodness, that he would help to encourage and spur us on to live by it. Uh, We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 2, verse 13 to 23. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. Uh, Morning, church. My name is Alan, and despite what Bryn said, I am not a celebrity preacher, Uh, although I could be one day. Hey, you never know. Uh, No jokes. Warm welcome to you. This is your first time here, or if you're visiting us today, uh, it's so good to have you uh, on the eve of New Year's Eve. Is that right? Because, yep, it's right. Uh, And I hope you had a Merry Christmas uh, and Happy New Year to you in advance. Um, Before we start, I'd just like to remind us that my job as a not-celebrity preacher is like any other preacher. My job is to explain God's Word uh, for us and to help all of us, including myself, to apply into our lives. So how about we ask God to help us to do that right now? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have given us your word, and through your word, you have revealed to us your salvation plan. Father, we pray that you'll help us to have open hearts to understand your word. Give us ears to listen and to hear. And Father, help me to explain your word and to apply into our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
2018 is about to come to an end. And there's one big question that we're all thinking about, as Bryn said. What have I achieved this year? Have I achieved what I was planning to do? Have I actually managed to achieve my New Year's resolution this year? And according to Bryn's quick survey, approximately 0% of this congregation has done that. Well, according to a bigger survey, only 9.2% of people actually achieve their New Year's resolutions. This is pretty low. For example, at the start of this year, I resolved to uh, lose some weight by going for a swim twice a a week. And I I averaged about once, just once this entire year. Uh, you know, sometimes it's because of random excuses like, you know, I was too tired or the weather wasn't good enough or I played netball instead, so it's okay. Uh, but sometimes it's because of valid reasons. Uh, other things got in the way. For example, uh, I get a call from my potential employer saying, hey, Alan, are you free for an interview tomorrow morning at 9? Well, I'm going to say to him, no, I'm not free because I was planning to go for a swim. That's just silly. So there are things outside of my control. And no matter how much we plan, how much we try, some things just don't work out. And that's pretty normal. That's just how life is. But that's not how God operates. When God resolves to do something, it would definitely be done. Nothing can stop God from carrying out his plans. Over the past month, we've been looking at the Gospel of Matthew and how God is carrying out his salvation plan through Jesus, the Messiah. And we've defined the Messiah as God's promised chosen king. Uh, Last week we saw that Herod sent the Magi to search for Jesus. Uh, The Magi went and worshipped Jesus, uh, but they were warned in a dream to not go back to Herod. And today we'll find out why. Today, for the first time in Matthew's Gospel, we'll see that God's plan is being threatened But Matthew will show us that nothing can stop God from carrying out his plan. So please keep your Bibles open at Matthew chapter 2, and we'll take a closer look. From verse 13. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Herod wanted to kill the Messiah. But last time we heard in chapter 2, verse 8, just a few verses above, we see that Herod sent the Magi to Bethlehem to go and find the Messiah so that he too may go and worship him. But now we see that Herod wanted to kill Jesus. So does that mean Herod had lied to the Magi? Does that mean that he had a secret plan that no one knew about? Because no one could have known Herod had a secret intent. But God knew. God knew Herod's heart, and God knew what he really wanted to do. Herod's true intent was not hidden from God, because nothing can be hidden from God. And so, as soon as the Magi had left, God sent an angel to warn Joseph. And Joseph, what did he do? Well, he did exactly as the angel had said. Look with me at verse 14. When he, Joseph got up, uh, sorry, so he, Joseph, got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. 
Joseph obeyed the angel's commands, word for word. Right? Note how he he got up, he took the child and his mother, he left for Egypt, and he stayed there, as the angel had said. But here's a question that we all want that we all want to ask: Why did the angel tell him to go to Egypt? Out of all the places, why Egypt? Seems a bit random. Well, Matthew again tells us in verse 15, and so it was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt. I called my son. Now this prophecy comes from the book of Hosea in the Old Testament. In Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, God says, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. So in Hosea, when God said, my son, he was referring to Israel, the nation of Israel. And in the book of Exodus, God showed his love to Israel when he saved the people of Israel from their, from their slavery in Egypt. But despite God's love towards Israel, Israel turned away from God. In the next verse in Hosea, is God continues to say, But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed the Baals and they burned incense to images. God was a loving father to Israel, but Israel didn't listen to God. They went away from God. They worshipped false gods. Israel had failed to be an obedient son. But Jesus is not not like Israel. Jesus is an obedient son. If you move your fingers across the page in Matthew, to Matthew chapter 3, verse 7, or it's on the screen, when Jesus was baptized, we uh, we hear God declaring as a voice from heaven. And he says, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. God is well pleased with Jesus because Jesus was always obedient to God. It's it's kind of like this, right? I don't know if you have kids or you have family family friends who have young kids or uh, friends who have young kids, but who? What kind of kids do you like the best or the most? Well, the kids who kind of listen to you, right? The kids who, when you tell them to stop playing with their toys, stop beating the drums, they will stop. Right? And if you're a parent, you'll, you'll really you'll be pleased with your child if you tell them, hey, it's bedtime, time to go to sleep, and they actually say, okay, daddy, I'm going to sleep. When does that ever happen? Or when you say to a child, don't talk to strangers. And when they don't talk to strangers, you're like, yes, success. And so God is well pleased with Jesus because Jesus is obedient. And Matthew shows this in chapter 4, just below chapter 3, verse 17, how Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, but he never disobeyed God. And so Jesus is not like Israel. Jesus is an obedient son. So Matthew is trying to show us that Jesus is God's true son, that he is the new Israel, and he has come to fulfill what Israel was meant to be, an obedient son. So this is God's plan, and nothing can stop God's plan. Not even Herod's hidden intent to kill Jesus, which was meant to be unknown to anyone, because God knows. So please don't think that you can get away with hiding something from God, because you just can't. I mean, don't, don't try to call in and take sick leave when you're actually perfectly healthy but just can't be bothered going to work. Because your manager might never know, but God knows. And... Don't pretend to be nice to someone when you secretly hate them and you're just being nice to them so that you can, I don't know, 
get something out of them for your own benefit. They might never know that you hate them, but God knows. So please, don't be like Herod. Don't think that you can hide anything from God. A hidden intent cannot stop God from carrying out his plan. Let's see if an angry man can stop God's plan. Let's keep reading Matthew chapter 2, verse 16. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Eventually, Herod did realize that the Magi never came back to him in Bethlehem, sorry, in Jerusalem, and he realized that they would never, never come back. And when he did realize, he was furious. He was furious because his plan had failed. He wanted the Magi to go find the Messiah so that he could send his assassins to kill him. But since the Magi never reported back, his plan had failed. But Herod didn't stop there. He was the king of Judah at the time. And he didn't want another person to be the king. Even if that person is God's chosen king, the promised Messiah. So, plan B. Herod gave orders to kill anyone and everyone who even remotely resembles the description of the Messiah. Male, two years under, Bethlehem and its vicinity. And the angel was right. The angel was right. Herod was planning to kill God's chosen king. He was planning to stop God's plan. Well, did Herod's plan succeed? Of course not. God knew what Herod was going to do, so he sent an angel in advance to warn Joseph. And Joseph took Jesus and Mary and escaped to Egypt in time. In fact, not only did Herod's plan fail... Matthew tells us in verse 17 that Herod's horrific actions fulfilled a prophecy in the book of Jeremiah. Verse 17. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Matthew thought that Herod's mass murder of infants to stop God's plan, in fact, fulfilled God's plan. Um, I'm sorry, what, Ellen? Did you just say that God? Did you just say that Herod's mass murder of infants was part of God's plan? Why, why on earth would God plan for this to happen? How could God even allow this to happen? These are very good questions to ask, and these are questions that we all want to ask. I'll try to I'll attempt to answer these questions, but if I don't, please come talk to me afterwards or talk to Bryn or the person who invited you. First, we need to understand the prophecy in the context of Jeremiah. This prophecy is from Jeremiah, note, chapter 31, verse 15. And it was a part of a big dream that Jeremiah had in chapter 30 and 31. God promised Jeremiah in his dream that one day God will restore Israel from their enemies, from their exile in Babylon, and even from their sin. God will send his promised 
chosen king, the Messiah, in order to achieve this. So if you look at the overall context of chapter 30 and 31, it's a, pre- it's a pretty clear picture of hope. And so the image of Rachel weeping for her children seems very out of place. Why would there be weeping and mourning when God is carrying out his plan to restore Israel? Well, in Matthew, there was weeping and mourning because all the infant boys in Bethlehem had been killed. And they had been killed because Herod was trying to kill the Messiah, God's promised chosen king. Herod is the one who was responsible for the killing of all those infants, not God. Herod was the type of man who was selfish and ambitious and hungry for power. He would do anything to keep his position as the king of Judah. Historically, Herod killed his, his wife, his wife's mother, his other wife's brother, three of his own sons, and three military leaders. 300, sorry, military leaders. There's a big difference there. And I got this information from Wikipedia, which is very reliable. But also I read a commentary which kind of uh, reinforced that this is true. This is the type of man that Herod is. And if you don't believe me, you can Google Wikipedia yourself if you want to do that. Herod was a bloodthirsty tyrant. That's who he was. That's how historians say Herod the Great is a tyrant. So Herod is the one who's responsible for killing all those infants. And it was because of his sinful heart. He didn't want God to appoint a ruler over him. He wanted to be the ruler of his own life. And so he tried to kill the Messiah. And he tried to stop God's plan to restore Israel. So this is how Matthew read Jeremiah. There will be weeping and mourning because when God carries out his plan of restoration, he will appoint his own chosen king. And there will be sinful people like Herod who will try to stop God's plan. Sinful people who don't want God to be their ruler, the ruler of their lives, to be their king. And they will do anything to make themselves the king. And when that happens, other people will suffer. There will be weeping and mourning. And God knew this would happen, but God is not responsible. Herod is the one who was responsible. But God, this is the good news, God is carrying out his plan to end all the suffering by putting an end to human sin. And this is part of Jeremiah's dream in chapter 31. Listen to what God was planning to do. And it's on the screen in chapter 31. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord. Because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. This is God's plan. God is planning to end all the suffering by putting an end to human sin. God will write his law on the hearts of his people. 
His people will live with God as their king. And they will truly be God's people. But before God's plan is completed, sinful people will continue to be sinful and do evil and cause other people to suffer. And that's why they will be mourning, weeping and mourning. I wonder how you see suffering in the world. Not general suffering, but suffering that is caused by other people doing evil things. When people get stabbed or run over by cars, when bombs go off and wars are declared, when people are killed or oppressed. I wonder if you think God is responsible. Or do you think that sinful humans are responsible for all the evil things that happen? And when they do happen, because they will happen, please don't forget what God had promised in Jeremiah chapter 31. If I had the time, I would have read out all of chapter 30 and 31, but since that we don't have that time, I won't do that. But I encourage you to do that in your own time. You could put that down as your New Year's resolution for 2019 and actually do it, to read Jeremiah chapter 30 and 31. You see, God is carrying out his plan to restore his people. Despite all the weeping and mourning that Herod caused, nothing can stop God from carrying out his plan. How exactly is God going to fulfill this plan, this prophecy in Jeremiah? Well, let's keep reading. Matthew chapter 2. We're up to verse 19. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. Herod dies. Good news. So an angel appears to Joseph while he was in Egypt and tells him to go back to Israel. And like the first time, Joseph obeyed word for word. Verse 21. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But then surprise... Verse 22, when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Joseph sensed, sensed danger and was afraid to go back because Archelaus was reigning in Judea and he was just as cruel and bloodthirsty as his, as his dad Herod, like father, like son. So does that mean the angel was wrong? Well, not really. Let's see what happens next. Verse 22. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. You see, Galilee was just another district in Israel, kind of like Victoria and Queensland in Australia, right? So Joseph still kind of went back to Israel. He did. But instead of going back to Bethlehem, which was in Judea, he went to Nazareth, which is up in the north in the district of Galilee. And God wanted to leave Joseph, lead Joseph and his family to a town called Nazareth. And then, same question, right? Why Egypt? Now it's, why Nazareth? Well, Matthew tells us again in verse 23, and he, Joseph, went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. Again, Matthew tells us that this was to fulfill God's plan. 
which was said through the prophets. But this time, nothing is quoted from the Old Testament. And that's because there's no exact prophecy about Jesus being called a Nazarene. In fact, the word Nazarene or Nazareth doesn't even come up in the Old Testament. So what's going on? Well, what exactly is Nazareth? Well, it's a small and insignificant town in Galilee. No one really cares about it. Lots of foreigners lived in Galilee, so it's considered the land of the Gentiles. And let's be honest, the Jewish people were a bit racist, right? So they looked down on the Gentiles. For example, in uh, John chapter 1, after Philip meets Jesus, he goes to find his friend Nathaniel to tell him that they have found the Messiah, and he is called Jesus of Nazareth. How exciting. And Nathaniel's response to Philip was this. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? It's the modern day Australian equivalent is Zihan. What's Zihan, you asked? Well, it's just a small mining town with a population of 700 people in Tasmania. Across the ocean. It's kind of like Tasmania. If you told someone that you were, you were, that you were a Nazarene, they will look at you with a lot of contempt and disgust. Oh, Nazareth. They would despise you. They wouldn't want to be friends with you. They wouldn't want their friends to even know that you know a Nazarene. But the prophet Isaiah spoke about the Messiah in this very way. Uh, let's look at Isaiah chapter thirty. Uh, sorry, chapter fifty-three. And let's all turn there. Actually, it's on page six hundred of your church Bibles. Give a moment for all of us to turn there. And this is what God says in chapter 53, verse 3, regarding the Messiah. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Jesus, the Nazarene, despised and rejected. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. You see, Jesus wasn't just called a Nazarene because that's where he came from. He was called a Nazarene because that's an insult. But the biggest insult wasn't that that Jesus was called a Nazarene. The biggest insult was when the people decided to crucify Jesus. The inscription on the cross says this, Jesus of Nazareth, King, King of the Jews. The King from Nazareth the king with the crown of thorns, the king stripped naked and covered in blood, the king nailed to a cross. This is God's plan. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. 
Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we consider him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us that, that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. This is God's plan. The crucifixion of an innocent man. Because only an innocent man can pay the price for a guilty man. This innocent man whom God declared, this is my son whom, with whom I am well pleased. He was not being punished for his own sins. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. He took up our pain and bore, and bore our suffering. Only by the crucifixion of this innocent man, our sins can be forgiven by God, thus fulfilling the prophecy in Jeremiah. And, and what was the name of this man? Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. This is God's plan. God's promised chosen king nailed to a cross. So ask again, how can God allow evil to happen in this world? Because God is powerful and wise to use evil to do good, to achieve his plan. So ask again, how can God ever understand my suffering? How can God ever understand Rachel weeping for her children? Because Jesus is God's son with whom he is well pleased. And Jesus suffered much more injustice and suffering than we can ever imagine. And he was an innocent man. But God's plan didn't stop there. On the third day, because Jesus was innocent, on the third day, God raised him up from the dead. Jesus ascended to heaven and he poured out his spirit into the hearts of his people. And who are his people? His people are no longer just the Jews, but all those whose sins are forgiven through Jesus. And if that's you, then God's law is now written on your heart because God has given you his spirit and you are now guaranteed a place in heaven. Even though you might still sin against other people and other people might sin against you and do evil to you, your sins are forgiven. You have a place in heaven. And the day is coming when Jesus will return. And when he does, he will bring you with him to heaven, a place where there will be no sin, no suffering, no more weeping and mourning. But if that's not you, if you're not one of God's people, then that can be you. Your sins can be forgiven through Jesus as well. And please, please don't make the mistake 
of thinking that you're not sinful because you're not like Herod. He didn't kill a bunch of babies. Anyone who does not live under the rule of King Jesus is just like Herod. So let Jesus be the ruler of your life. Because the day is coming when Jesus will return. And when he does, those who do not submit to King Jesus, those who reject Jesus as their king, Jesus will reject them. And by then it will be too late. So don't wait until then. Because when that happens, when Jesus does come back, there'll be nothing you can do about it. Because nothing can stop God's plan. You see, God is not like us. When we make New Year's resolutions, we hardly ever get them done. But when God resolves to do something, it would definitely be done. Nothing can stop God's plan, just like nothing stopped Jesus from going to the cross and dying for our sins. Nothing can stop Jesus from returning and bringing his people with him to heaven. So if you align your plans, your resolution with God's plans, you will have a 100% chance of success. You'll never fail. So if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, if you don't know who Jesus is and don't know what God's plan is, then I encourage you that in 2019, that will be the one thing that you will do to find out who Jesus is and what God's plan is. And if that is you, then let me encourage you to align your plan with God's. Go and make disciples of all nations, as Jesus had commanded. But above all, make sure that you keep trusting Jesus. Make sure that when he returns, you'll be with him in heaven. Let your New Year's resolution in 2019 and every year's resolution be that you'll keep trusting in Jesus, regardless of what might happen. Even if your house gets robbed empty, which we heard on Christmas Day that Jono actually had his house robbed one time, it could happen. But even then, keep trusting in Jesus. Even if your loved ones get involved in a terrorist attack on Burke Street, it could happen. I know people who were there on that day. Even if it becomes illegal to be a Christian in Australia, can you believe that? I believe that. Because the parliament was about to pass a motion that it's illegal to define marriage as between just a man and a woman. And if that's illegal, then we might all be arrested. Thankfully, that motion wasn't passed, but it might still be passed one day. And our whole church might get arrested and thrown into prison for defining marriage as between a man and a woman. But even then, even then, keep trusting in Jesus because he will make sure that he will bring you back with him to heaven. So let this be your resolution, to keep trusting in Jesus next year and every year. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your salvation plan.
We praise you, Almighty God, for you are powerful and wise to even use evil to do good. Please help us to trust you and to keep trusting in you next year and every year. To keep looking towards Jesus because he will grant us a place in heaven. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.